Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, to you alone be the praise and to you alone be the glory. We come to you, our Father, through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and by your Spirit this morning. We praise you that we have this privilege to come to you to know you. Forgive us for the many times that we have broken this commandment, Lord. As we know from what we've studied in the book of Romans, that is in coming to terms with the Ten Commandments that we see our sinfulness, our inability to keep these. Lord, that we would love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, our natural flesh. In our natural flesh, we are incapable of that. But by your Spirit and in the newness of the Spirit, you have ignited in us this love. For that we praise you and we are grateful. I pray that, Lord, you would be with us this morning as we meet in this place. But we pray for our brothers and sisters all across the globe who are meeting in various places that you would bless them as well. That, Father, as men stand before your church and teach your word, that you would give them the words to say, that they would faithfully proclaim your word, that your church would be edified and your kingdom would grow as people are born again. Bring many people today, Lord, we pray, into your family. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would continue to bless us as individuals as we seek to honor you and to grow, that you would bless our families that are in this place. Father, you would give to us as men, as, as leaders of our families, a desire to lead our children and our wives to know you, that we would model that before them. I pray for the women of this church that you would help them as they come alongside their husbands, that, Father, they would faithfully help their husbands to be all that God intends them to be and that they as well, the wives, would, Lord, set a tone, an atmosphere in their home that is the aroma of Christ. That Christ would be like the potpourri for the children. Lord, that they would honor and obey that they would grow, that they would come to know you. Oh, Holy Spirit, bless us this day with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Scripture reading, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 7 through 18. I'm actually going to start at the sentence right above chapter 7, or verse 7. <laughs> For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? 
For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who had put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all have, when we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Testament. One of them is Jehovah Jireh. It means God is our provider. It comes in Genesis chapter 22. The story is when Abraham and Isaac are climbing the mountain to make a sacrifice to God. And Isaac turns to his father Abraham and says, with what are we going to offer up to the Lord? And Abraham says, God will provide. And that's the idea that we get the song from God will provide. Jehovah Jireh. This is a song now, we haven't sung for a very long time. If you know it, sing it out. Otherwise, it may be something that is totally new to you. But would you stand and let's sing and worship to the Lord together.
In verses 1 and 2, for the last time today, we've been here for a long time. It's kind of like we've been, I don't want to say stuck in the mud. You know how you get bogged down with your truck and you get stuck in the mud somewhere. It's not like that, but we've been stuck here for quite a few weeks intentionally because these are such very important verses for us. Next week we'll jump into verse 3. We'll begin to see what it looks like to have this transformed life, uh, this renewed mind, how we think differently when we are in Christ. Today we talk about the renewal of our mind. It's fundamental that we recognize and realize, and this verse is just so, so fundamental to what we talk about today in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 17. When there the Holy Spirit tells us, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. This is fundamental to what we talk about today. Not if some are in Christ. This isn't for like a certain class of person. If any man is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Now what we will see is what we sang this morning. Our life is hid with Christ in God. Positionally, we are justified. We are declared not guilty. We are sanctified. We are completely righteous. And it is as good as if we were glorified in the mind of God, as we saw in Romans chapter 8. Positionally, we are there. Completely new. Practically, you, like me, have a long way to go. The journey of sanctification. And it's not like you ever just arrive. It's not like you just get to a point where it's like, I'm renewed, I'm good to go, I'm done with this. No, just the moment you think that, let him who thinks he stands, what? Take heed, you're going to fall. It is a continual thing. The renewal of our life by the Holy Spirit. We never arrive. Not till we arrive. Let's look at the verse, and then we'll pray. I appeal to you. We've gone through this line by line, kind of word by word, developing all these thoughts. I am appealing to you, therefore, 
Remember, this is to us as brethren. It's to the church. On the basis of the mercy of God, all these things we studied prior, on the basis of this, present your bodies. Totality of your person as a living sacrifice. Holy, pleasing to God. And this is a spiritual act of worship. Spiritual worship isn't just being in this building, going through the routine, doing everything that we kind of have laid out. Spiritual worship is a presentation, conscious presentation of your body, the totality of who you are to God. And then he says, stop being pressed into the world's mold. But, and the word but is a strong contrast. He's not just adding to the thought, he is drawing a strong contrast between what the world wants to do to us and what God wants to do to us. And so he says, but, be transformed. And how does this transformation happen? By the renewal of your mind? And what does this transformation result in? An ability to test and discern what is the will of God. And that will, the will of God, is that which is good, it is acceptable, and it is perfect. It is complete. It is good, that is, it is moral quality, is it is good. God never asks us to do something that is wrong. Why? Because God is good. His character is good. His will is good. It is pleasing in that that is the result of doing the will of God. The result of living your life for the will of the flesh is misery. The result of living your life for the will of God is pleasure. And then it brings you to completion, to wholeness. And this is God's intent. So today we talk about the mind. We talk about the renewal of the mind. And we want to really ask ourselves the question, you know, how can my mind be being renewed? There again, this isn't something that happened once in your past and now you're good to go. How do you continually be renewing your mind? What are some things that you can specifically do that will help this process? We'll look at some specifics today. But before we do, let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, you tell us in your word here that we are to present ourselves. In the Old Testament, several times a year, every Jewish male was commanded to present themselves to you at the temple. To be there. Lord, we are here together, your body, your church, this local body. And, and each part of this body has a specific function for the body.
And each one of us, I pray that as we come to you this morning in your word, now consciously comes before you and gives ourselves to you. And asks, Father, that you would be glorified in and through us. As we minister to one another, as we are missionaries in this valley in which we live, Father, we give ourselves to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us as we think on these verses this morning, that you would give us insight, that you would direct me to exactly the things that you would have me to highlight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what is metamorphosis? We talked about metamorphosis last week. We talked about the concept from the animal kingdom, and we're not going to go back through all of that. But there again, what we want to remind ourselves of is he doesn't just say, you know, be changed. He says, be transformed. Be transformed. God doesn't just want to change your life. He wants to transform your life. And and so when we're talking about metamorphosis, we're talking about a radical change. We're not just talking about a little tweak. It's not like, you know, you're pretty good as you are, and God just wants to make you a little bit better. No. God wants to radically change the way you naturally think. We're going to look at some passages that show us how we naturally think. And we can all find ourselves in those verses. And God wants to change that. How does that happen? So how does this metamorphosis happen? You know, how does this radical transformation happen? How does God take me and make me into something completely new? We know first and foremost that the foundation of that is it happens because of the gospel. And if we leave that out and we just make this like, I'm just going to you know, learn to be a better person. I'm going to transform my life. And I'm just going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps kind of thing. That kind of theology, then we missed the whole thing. We're not talking about natural process. We are talking about the intervention of the living God in our life by the work of God as ordained through the gospel. That Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. He ascended to the Father, whereas we sang this morning before the throne of God above, I have a sure and steady, constant friend who is interceding for me, praying for me, and he sent his Holy Spirit into my life and into my heart. And his Holy Spirit is at work in me to transform me, the living God. And if I leave the gospel out of this and I just make it kind of a self-help, then I do you no service and I preach a false truth, a false gospel. This is all foundationally found in the gospel. That that is the foundation to true transformation. And what God is doing, we saw this in 2 Corinthians 5.17, what I quoted to you. If any man is in Christ, this gospel... He is a new creation. Positionally, you are new. 
practically, the work of the Holy Spirit is now to transform you. And this is how this happens. He is renewing your mind. The way you think. This tells me something. The way you naturally think, the way I naturally think, is not the way that God wants me to think. Right? The way I naturally think, my natural inclinations need to be changed. Now, that doesn't mean that every natural inclination I may have is just at its core evil in every way. We're not saying that. We are, when we talk about total depravity, that we are totally depraved, we're not saying every way you are as bad as you possibly could be. No, what we're saying is every part of your being, your total being, has been impacted by sin. And one of the ways that you are impacted by sin is that your mind is tainted by the flesh and fleshly desires. And so God is renewing it. I want you to go with me to Titus chapter 3. I have a bunch of verses on the slides this morning, but they may not be in the exact order that I want them, so... I want you to turn there as well. But I want to draw your attention to Titus 3. I'll try to find it. That's way out of order. And no, I didn't put this one in there. Okay. So go to Titus chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 brings this very same thing out too. If you'll notice on the screen in Colossians chapter 3, it says, Therefore, put to death what belongs to your worldly nature. And then he gives us some things. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming on the disobedience, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now you must also put away these. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language. Don't lie to one another. Why? You have put off the old self with all of its practices And you have put on what? The new self. And you are being renewed in what? Knowledge according to the image of your creator here in the mind. Now notice Titus chapter 3. Titus, does anybody remember with me? Where is Titus at? Location, physical geography. He's on an island not an island in the Pacific. It's an island in the Mediterranean, the island of Crete. He's been sent there by the Apostle Paul to ordain in each of the church elders. These elders are to govern and to lead the church. In the letter, he talks about the people of Crete. Now, in the ancient world, in ancient Greek plays, Corinthians were always depicted as immoral people. That's the way they were depicted. So if you were going to have a play, it's kind of like, let's think of a soap opera or a movie, and you got this play, the guy who is just the immorally debauched person is the guy who comes from Crete, or excuse me, Corinth. 
the guy who comes from the island of Crete is a lazy sluggard who is deceptive. That's what these people are kind of known for in the ancient world. Paul sends Titus there and he says to this church, this is what you were. Now, what I want you to be is quit being lazy sluggards and be zealous for good works. New thing. And so the whole letter of Titus, there's this continual theme that good works are to characterize the life of the believer. In Titus 3, he draws the contrast. He says to these Christians, he's talking to Titus, and he's telling Titus, this is what you need to tell the church. Remind these Cretans to be submissive to rulers and authority. Romans 13, by the way. We'll get there. To be obedient. To be ready for every good work. To speak evil of no one. To avoid arguing. To be gentle. Show perfect courtesy toward everyone. And then he says, for we ourselves were once foolish. We were disobedient, we were led astray, and we were slaves to passions and pleasures. And we passed our days in malice and envy and hatred. We hated one another. But, huge contrast, notice this, what's the contrast? What happened? This is the way we were spending our lives. Even when we were kids on the playground, it was all about me. But, when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. You didn't save yourself. He saved us. And it was not because of any works that we did in righteousness, but it was according to His mercy. And it was by what? Notice these two acts. The washing of the new birth and the renewing by the Holy Ghost. Okay? The washing of the new birth. Remember in John chapter 3, Jesus says to us, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And he talks about being born of water and of blood. And there in that chapter where he develops the new birth, where Jesus is talking with Nicodemus, he clearly is showing that there is within the new birth a work of God whereby he cleanses us. He washes us. And so as we are born anew, he is washing us from the filth of our sin. And he renews us. So, This renewal, when we're talking about a renewal of the mind, in Titus 3.6, that renewal can only happen in relationship to which member of the Trinity? The Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit's work. The reason I want to stress that to you is this. You can learn the Bible from A to Z, know it front and back, And as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, knowledge can puff you up. 
but love edifies. When we are talking about the renewal of the mind here, we are not just talking about knowledge. We're not just talking about making sure you know everything that's in the Bible and you know all this truth. What we are talking about is the Holy Spirit of God taking the truth of God and transforming your mind. It's not you doing this work. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is so important we understand that. Otherwise, it just becomes legalism and this is something we're going to do ourselves. You must rely on the Holy Spirit for this to happen. So it's the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to go to 2 Corinthians for just a minute. The passage that Dave read to us this morning. And I want to draw your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I told you last week that three times in the New Testament, the word metamorphosis appears. One is in Romans chapter 12, what we're studying now. One is in the Gospels. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus is metamorphosized before his followers. And one is here in what Dave read to us today. This is fundamental that we understand this. In the verses that Dave read to us, he is drawing a contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, Moses went up on Mount Sinai. He saw the glory of God, but it was a glory that was fading. And when he was in God's presence, that glory would kind of rub off on him. It's kind of like doing a light stick the other night. I don't know if that happened to you. We were at... Tyler and Grace Hans for Thaddeus' birthday party and the lights went out. So everybody was grabbing light sticks. That's what they used in their house. We had candles when I was a kid, but they had light sticks. You know, and you break them things and they give you a bunch of light. Everybody else turns on their cell phone right now. That's how I got out to the car. We didn't have any lights, so I used my cell phone. I'm catching up with the world. You break that light stick and it gives you light. But it doesn't stay there forever. What happens? It fades. So, too, Moses was in the presence of God, and when he saw God in his glory, and he is in such close proximity to it, that glory is radiating from him. But then he would go down into the camp, he would put a veil over his face, because everybody was scared to death of him. But then this glory remains, and it doesn't fade, it grows. What he's saying is this, the longer you're in Christ, the longer you are in Christ... You shouldn't become more crabby. You shouldn't become more difficult to be around. The longer we are in Christ, what should happen? We should become more and more like Christ to where that glory is growing so that when we are ready to be put in the casket, people look at us and think, that person has walked with the Lord so long. I don't want to embarrass you, but thank you. Mrs. Hare, because that is you. You are a blessing to be here. Because you've walked... I, I'm embarrassing you. I'm sorry. But, I mean, you've been a blessing to me the weeks you've been here. And it's because of that. Her husband went to be with the Lord, preached the gospel faithfully for so many years, and now you're in our midst, and you've been playing the piano for us, and you're in our midst, and we look at you and we say... That's what I want to be when I'm a little bit older than I am now. I don't want to get crabbier. I don't want to be more difficult to be around. I don't want to treat people with disdain. I want to be more and more like Christ. And that happens by my mind being renewed. 
what happens to us is this. We let the world press us into, our mold, into its mold. And the way we know that is the longer we are in Christ and we have bad experiences with people and people hurt us, we get worse instead of better. And that shows us that we are then walking in the flesh. Now, he says in these verses, notice what he says in verse 18. We all with unveiled face. What is an unveiled face? I think everybody in here doesn't have a veil. You know, none of you ladies have veils on this morning. What, what does this mean? What's an unveiled face? He said that earlier in the chapter. What is an unveiled face? When we read that this morning, when someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So whenever we read the Old Testament, when we haven't turned to the Lord, there is a veil that remains over our heart. That's what he said in the text. But when one turns to Jesus, the veil is taken away. So what he says in this verse is, we all who have turned to the Lord. In other words, all of us who have now accepted Jesus, we all with unveiled face, beholding, and the word there, I'm in the ESV, some of you have other translations, says beholding as in a mirror. Mine just says beholding. It's one Greek word, and it just does literally mean to look into a glass, to look into a mirror. So we're beholding in a mirror. What are we beholding? The glory of the Lord. And as we are doing that, we are being transformed into the same image. From one degree of glory to another, and this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, just go a little further in the book and go to chapter 4. Look in verse 16. So we don't lose heart. He's talking about all the hard things that happen in life in chapter 4. We don't lose heart. Though our outer self, our physical body, is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed. How often? Day by day. Day by day. Not a one-time event that happened at a Billy Graham crusade. Day by day. There is a renewal that is continually going on. And it is this light momentary affliction that is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we are looking, notice that, we are looking. Just like in verse 18 of chapter 3, we are looking at something. As we look, not at the things that you can see with your naked eye, but we are looking at things that you cannot see. The things that you can see are transient. Things that you cannot see, these are eternal. And so we're beholding. We're beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Day by day, we are being changed. Question, if you're awake, I think it probably came into your mind, what is the mirror in which we behold the glory of the Lord? Well, it has to be the Word of God. It has to be the Word of God. That it is in the Word of God that the Spirit of God shows us the glory of God. 
and changes us to do his will. And he renews our mind. So here's three truths I want us to close with. Three truths by way of application. Let me get down to them. Three things that I just want you to do, that we need to do. If God is going to renew my mind, how is this going to happen? Number one, no one can do this for you. These are things we've got to do. We must actively load God's word into our mind. He's not just saying there you read it every day and you read the daily bread and you go about your day. He is saying there is an active engagement of our thinking process whereby we are loading into our memory banks the word of God. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible, correct? There are stanzas for each of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. In verse 9, David says this. He begins by posing a question. How can a young man cleanse his way? These verses, the reason they're on there is because these were verses that the Holy Spirit gave me when I was a young man dealing with struggles in my mind. I can't tell you how many times these verses were quoted by me in my mind against my flesh and the devil. How can a young man cleanse his way? Answer. By taking heed to your word. Then he says this, with my whole heart I have sought you. And then he prays, O Lord, do not let me wander from your commandments. Think of the word wander. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Think of the word wander. Sometimes we get lost in our way because we intentionally go astray. Right? Been there, done that. Sometimes we get lost in the way because we just wandered off. Oh, Lord, don't let me wander. And then he says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The word hide there doesn't just mean like, I put it in there, put it in the lockbox, and there it is. The word means to treasure. That's really the Greek word, or the Hebrew word, to treasure it. Your word I have treasured in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Charles Spurgeon once said this, a Bible that's falling apart is usually owned by a person who is not. Now, I don't want you to be the Bible police this morning when you leave and look at each other's Bibles and see if they're all wore out. Mine's new, by the way, okay? Mine's actually pretty new. So, I, uh, you know, so let's not be legalists with each other like his Bible. No, but here's, right? A Bible that is well-worn, that is a dog-eared book that people have walked in 
and spent life in, a Bible that is falling apart is usually owned by a person who is not. How much time did we spend in the book last week? Actively loading God's Word into our memory banks. How much time did you spend on your phone last week? Surfing the Internet. Actively loading into your memory bank all the values of the world. Actively load God's Word into your memory bank. Second application is this. Actively admonish yourself. The the Greek, you remember in the old King James, the word admonish, admonition. That word just literally means to put in the mind. So if I admonish my kid, I am putting in their mind what I want them to do. So many times it kind of carries with it the idea of correction to admonish someone. What he's really getting at, what I want to get at this morning, is we should admonish ourselves. We should actively put in our mind the thoughts that have been loaded there. In other words, you loaded thoughts, you are hiding and treasuring God's word in your mind. Now as you go through the day and you wake in the night, admonish yourself. Teach yourself. Talk to yourself. Let's think of a couple verses. Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not what? Walk, sit in the counsels of the ungodly and of the world. Is not conforming to the world, but his what? Delight. Think of the word delight. This is talking about the pleasure of the eye. What jazzes him up. We can tell what each other delights in just by talking to each other, right? This time of year, we talk to guys, and it's all what? Hunting, hunting, hunting. The big buck on the hill. Did you, did, did, why? Because we delight. It, it's, it's in our heart. Do we delight in the Word of God and in God Himself? <coughs> and so His delight is in the law of God, and in His law He what? Meditates. This is what we're talking about, this active putting into our mind where we are thinking these thoughts, we are engaging those thoughts. In the law of the Lord, he meditates day and night, and he is like the tree planted by the rivers of water. Brings forth fruit in his season. And what happens? Whatever he does, it prospers. Why? Because he is living his life in conformity to the will of God. Doesn't mean he doesn't have difficulty. It just means God is prospering. Joshua 1, 8, 9. Joshua is going into the land. And God is talking to him, giving him things he is to do. And he is told there, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Now, let's just take a minute and think about our minds. God gave us a brain. Within our brain, 
There are different ways we can think of the way our brain functions. We have mental processes, we have emotions, we have a will, our heart. The Bible talks about our heart as the seat of all these things. This word mind, I think it's kind of an all-encompassing term to think about our cognition. And I want to liken it to breathing for a minute. Take a breath. Big, deep breath. Is that the first breath you've taken in 20 minutes? No? You've been breathing all along. But you don't even realize you were breathing, right? Because there's something that's true about our breathing. You can do it either actively or passively. Thank the Lord when you go to sleep at night, you keep on breathing. Now, some people have trouble with that, so they've got to get that mask, right? What do they call that problem you have when you're sleeping? Sleep apnea. And they just stop breathing. But for most of us, we breathe whether we're thinking about it or not. Thank the Lord. But you can consciously breathe. And when you do so, you change other things in your body. So my heart gets rate, my heart rate gets up. How can I slow my heart rate down? Just telling my heart to beat slower? No, because I can't have no control over my heart rate. Unless, how can I slow it down? By taking what? Deep breaths. So my deep breathing affects my heart even though I am not actively able to affect my heart. I am doing it secondarily. Now, why am I doing that? Here's why. Your mind is the same way. You can actively think, but you are always passively thinking. Correct? Most people are anyway. You know, if you're not with me in the message this morning, it's not like you just turned off your brain and you're sitting there. You are somewhere, right? You are somewhere. You're thinking about something. There's something going on in your brain. When you sleep, you do what? You dream. In other words, our brain, our mind, works passively. But it can work actively. What I'm talking about on this one is this. And I put it right there at the end. This came from Martin Lloyd-Jones, great preacher in London, England. And he was talking about our minds. And he said, what we've got to start doing is stop listening to ourselves and start talking to ourselves. Teach yourself. Engage your brain. So, all day, every day, your brain is going. It's playing tapes. Maybe not tapes. Maybe they're CDs now. No, they're not even CDs now. Now they're probably a memory stick. I don't know what they are. But it's just going. Think about how much it's just going in your brain is negative or wrong. Whenever you notice your mind going, whenever the Holy Spirit brings it to your mind that my mind is just going, 
and I'm just listening to those tapes play, at that moment, I have to teach myself. So my mind's going on some theme. It's resentment against my neighbor for all the bad things he did. Whatever it is. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit brings it to my conscious awareness that that tape is playing. At that moment, I have to turn it off. And I actively talk to myself the truth. So I put in my mind, I actively loaded in my mind the Word of God. So it is available as the sword of the Spirit at that moment. That's how you win the battle. is by talking to yourself, not listening to yourself. Okay? Here's the last point. Live in reliance. So this is more of a passive one. Live in reliance on the Holy Spirit to use His Word to accomplish His will. Matthew 10 is my illustration of this. Matthew 10, Jesus sends out His disciples and He gives them abilities. He tells them, I am sending you out like sheep in the middle of wolves. So be, what, what two things does He tell them to do? Be harmless as a dove and be what? Wise as a serpent. How is a serpent wise? What does that mean? Have you ever stopped and think about it? What does he mean? How does a sheep live among wolves in a way that it is wise as a snake? What does a snake do? It, counterfeit, it camouflages itself and it doesn't draw attention to itself. The bird does. It sits on the tree and sings, but not the snake camouflages itself, and it doesn't draw attention to itself. So he said, you're living like a sheep in the middle of wolves. Be smart. That's what he's saying there. Because men will hate you, and they will bring you before their rulers, and they will condemn you. And then he tells them this. When you stand before men and you give a witness, don't think beforehand what you're going to say. Why? Because at the moment you need it, it will be given to you. Now listen, my premise there is this. The Holy Spirit doesn't work in a vacuum. He can't give you things you didn't actively load in your brain. But if you actively load them in the brain, and you are meditating on them day and night, then the moment you need them, the Holy Spirit brings the word he wants you to say. So walk in reliance to him. So to have your mind renewed, three things we need to do this week. Number one, actively be loading God's Word into your mind. Number two, talk to yourself, don't listen to yourself. And if I'm driving down the road and I see you talking to yourself, you're talking and no one else is in the car, I give you a pass, right? Because we all talk to ourselves. So talk to yourself. Teach yourself. Don't just listen to good preaching on the radio. Preach to yourself. Teach yourself the Word of God. And then number three, live in reliance on the Holy Spirit. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your truth. Help us, Lord, to live victoriously. Help us this day and in the week to come to take every thought captive to obedience to Christ. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.